This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Monday morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 1st, episode 2609, brought to you today by Kevin Equine. Good morning, horse people. It's Monday. Monday is my favorite time of year. This is Horses in the Morning with your lovable hosts, Jamie Jennings. I am the queen. You listen to me. I'm sorry that people are so jealous of me, but I can't help it that I'm popular. Glenn the Geek. You look especially radiant today, your grace. I'm going to do a terrific show today because I'm good enough, and doggone it, people like me. Happy Monday. Well, good morning, everybody. Yes, we are back here, and we are in time. We are back recording on a normal schedule because Jamie's been butchered and she's back. We'll talk about <laughs> that in a minute. But first, we want to congratulate our terrific auditor and our favorite para rider, Charlotte Merrill Smith, who competed in the Adequan Global Dressage Festival in Wellington over the weekend with her horse, Gigi. You, you, if you listen to the show, you've heard her on here talking about Gigi. And she won Blue Ribbon with a score of 72% in the freestyle. So well done. Woo-hoo! They had a great weekend all around. Uh, and actually, the Paris all did very well over the weekend. The United States is going to probably have a really good team this year. So uh, we're looking forward to following them. But well done, Charlotte. Uh, it's so much fun to see your pictures and your videos from down there and to see you holding a blue ribbon again. It's been a while for her. So, so good job. Awesome. And uh, we are joined today by Gabrielle Diacon, who joins us to talk about yoga for equestrians, something Jamie is an expert at because she did it once. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about my tour of the Disney World's Tri-Circle D Ranch brand new multi-million dollar barn. And oh, by the way, if you want to build a barn, uh, you know, have... Disney money to do it. It works great that way. Uh, Jamie's going to give us a post-surgery update on how she's doing with her broken wing. And Deanne from Horse Nation joins us to tell us the stories of the week. All of that coming up on today's show. But first, got some birthdays to get to. Well, we have uh, some auditor birthdays. We have Patty uh, Argenzio. We have Alexis Wells, Doreen Rose, and the name I dread every year. Bernia Ekstrom Ripka. 
Thank you very much, Jamie. I'm sure that was exactly right. Yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> and also raised pledges. Then uh, this past week, we have Julia and Mary, who only I only have first names for. So uh, thank you for, for raising your pledges. If you want to become an auditor, which is like a super fan of the Horse Radio Network, if you're a regular listener and want to be involved in, in a lot of the th- extra things we do, then go to horseradionetwork.com, scroll down the right side of the page, and you'll see the auditor banner. And for as little as $3 a month, you can do that. And, and I they just, also get to listen to the post show, which today I'm going to answer a training question for one of our auditors. Terrific. I also wanted to acknowledge that it has been exactly one year since the, we all met in Tampa. It was on February 1st when the Horse Lovers Cruisers, all almost 50 of us, descended on Tampa last year to head out on our cruise. God, that seems like a lifetime ago. It seems like more than a year. Uh, so, yeah, um, I'm missing all you guys, and someday we'll all get together again. Someday. It is your turn. Uh, my daily Winnie goes out to, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Glenn, I, last week I talked about how one of our listeners, Hannah Reppert adopted one of the horse, uh, the horse and hound horses. And this week I get to give another shout out to another oh, wow. auditor who adopted. It's becoming a uh, weekly thing. You're, you're going to be I responsible know. for 52 a year at this rate. I'm so excited. Michaela Rose Webb oh, adopted. Who was a get- cruiser last year on the cruise, by the way. Oh, well, she's going to spend her spring money th- uh, differently this year because she's <laughs> she got a new horse. Get Country is going to go to her house. So Yay. Get Country, who was here for about 10 days, um, but and I had to take him back before my surgery, and she adopted him. And so she's going to get him later this month once her uh, hauler uh, can come down to Oklahoma and get him. So congratulations to Get Country. You guys a new mama. And she got a new husband last year, too, so she's getting a lot of new things in her life. Got to move forward, man. Never backwards. <laughs> Speaking of which, how did surgery go? How you doing? Uh, for brand new listeners, Jamie had surgery last Monday on her shoulder, so how, how are things? You know, there's a, there's a couple things I would like to talk about. First of all, getting surgery on your right arm sucks because if you're, especially if you're right-handed surgery sucks period. But if you're right-handed, like you don't think about how challenging it is to brush your teeth with your left hand or, um, eat cereal with your left hand or for ladies that are still in the cycle phase of their life, doing things with your left hand. That's impossible. And Chad was not going to help me. I, I'm on my own there. So that part sucks. <clears throat> Do you're, yeah, there's I think TMI. that goes beyond our husbandly duty, to be honest. Yeah. And, and I also got to say that I went to Chad's family, had a, an or- a get together, a birthday party this weekend for somebody. And so we went and, you know, uh, uh, one of the gentlemen, I guess he's my sister-in-law's stepdad and he comes over and he's like what kind of surgery did you have and i said well i had a um an excision and my medials whatever i i gave him like the doctor name he's like oh yeah i had that done and i was like oh really and he's like yeah i go how old were you he was like 68 they, okay, yeah, well, I'm in my 40s. So I'm having the same surgery that 60-year-old men are having. Uh, <laughs> so that's fun. Um, and then he proceeds to ask me because I guess I guess people have no boundaries. It's like being pregnant. They ask you all sorts of personal questions. He goes, so uh, is it hard to wipe with your left hand? <laughs> I was like, excuse me? 
So these are the questions that I'm getting when my right <laughs> arm is hurt. What, 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 what hand do you wipe with? It was what he asked me, literally asked me like three times before I finally walked away. Um, I don't really know him that well, so it was very uncomfortable. The other thing I would like to say is, um, Glenn. Damn, there goes one had, of my questions. Let me cross that out for the day. Yeah, cross that out. <laughs> um, when you had surgery, I do believe yeah, that I had the I shoulder surgery you, too. Different shoulder surgery, but I was yeah, left shoulder, I think. You yeah. recently had surgery, yeah. and I do believe I sent you presents, and yeah. all the listeners yeah. sent you presents, yeah. and everybody sent you presents. Guess what came in the mail for me? Yep. A present for Lucas from my dad. <laughs> and I was like, I see this huge box and I'm like, oh, yay, somebody sent me something because I'm laid up and I have nothing to do. I'm so bored. And it's a Lego set for Lucas. And he, <laughs> I call my dad. I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, well, I just thought that Lucas should get a present because he's probably bored. <laughs> I was like, who the hell do you think is bored? Me. I would like to tell you that I took all these suggestions of Netflix and I've watched almost all of the, the Netflix things. And I just got to the point where I just don't care anymore. I am like two episodes shy of a couple of different ones. And I just don't care. I'm so <laughs> tired of watching TV. I'm so tired of sitting still. I'm so tired of doing nothing. Oh my God. I'm losing my mind. This sucks. I told you how to get gifts and you didn't like my answer. You texted me this week about that very topic. And yeah, I, I was told like, thanks for your flowers, Glenn. Oh, wait, <laughs> you didn't send me any. <laughs> I told you how to get gifts. You have to almost die. That's how you get gifts. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't Shoulders die. don't count. You just have to almost die. That's what you have to do. It's it's fine. No big deal. Whatever. <laughs> you, my husband just got back from an airline trip. So so fortunately, he's not back. I, can't, I still can't drive. This This whole thing is, whose idea was it to get a stick shift? Because now I can't drive anywhere because I was. Yeah, it's kind of hard to reach over with your left hand to do the stick. Yeah, that was a terrible idea. So yeah, I'm basically a stick shift. Nobody ever has a nobody has a stick shift in the whole country except you. I know. I love my car and I miss it so much. Uh, Yeah. So that's uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying my time sitting here doing nothing. (laughs) And for those of you at home going, oh, Glenn, you can stop her from whining anytime. Now, I can't because I whined too when I was sick. So she let me go. I have to let her go as long as she... Just let me know when you're done, okay? I'm I'm done. I'm done. Move move on. Move on. So I'm glad to hear you you sound good. Are you still on heavy drugs or they take those away too? I haven't taken any to this morning, um, but I am taking one every <laughs> night to help have. me sleep. I know, right? Well, you know, I, I started physical therapy last oh, week. Oh, that sucks big time. I'm going to tell you, I'm sitting there with that lady and she's like, are you okay? And I go, you're so mean. <laughs> you're the worst. They have oh, to hear God. that a hundred times a day, don't they? She's like, I'm sorry, but it's good for you. I'm like, I hate you. I hate you so much. So she's like, next time you come, if you could take a pain pill before you get here, that would be great. I didn't either. And I thought you weren't supposed to because I thought you were supposed to feel the pain. Mm-hmm. And that was a big mistake. I made, no, I think just... I cried the first time too, to be honest. Uh, yeah, she yeah. told me to take a pain pill. And I was like, well, the problem with taking a pain pill is I'm really, really stupid. Once I take it, like really stupid. You really should have taken it before the show. All the listeners are very disappointed right now. Yeah, I'm sure there's some residual from last night, so it'll be (laughs) fine. But I'll be plenty stupid today. But yeah, I mean, on medication, I'm really stupid. That's why I can't do, like, I can't smoke pot or like do CBD oil, any of those things, because it just makes me even stupider. How many holes do you have? Do you know? I have three holes, three holes in my shoulder, and my whole shoulder is beautiful color of yellow and green. And purple, yeah. And, 
And so um, I got my bandages taken off at physical therapy, which also was horrific because it's like it was like glued to mm. my nipple, you know, and they're like peeling it off. And so so then I have these little strings from the sutures sticking up and 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 it's really, really gross to have your strings get caught in your shirt. Ugh! Okay, I'm gonna stop talking because I'm grossing myself <laughs> out. Y'all must be really grossed out. I pretty much after two months of, of being taped and untaped and taped, I have no hair left anywhere on my chest. It's completely gone. <laughs> it's just been ripped out. Uh, can y'all do it on my armpits? That'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> I can't shave those right now. Good on time. a happier note, while you were laid up, we went. Uh, we took our camper down and, and stayed down at Fort Wilderness, which is Disney World's campground, which, as you would imagine, is very nice. You know, it's very nice. And I did determine that our little camper, our little travel trailer, which is like 22 feet long, uh, was a little baby compared to all of the other campers in that campground. Oh, my God. There was probably some... Oh it's like God. going to uh, Galway down horse trial with like your two horse trailer you're sleeping in yes. the gooseneck yes. and then you park next to people that have actual oh money. no you're not even in a gooseneck you're in a tag along um <laughs> <laughs> so we're in a little tag along parked beside these 40 foot you know uh huge huge travel trailer rvs and there were more Airstreams there. And Airstreams start at like a hundred grand. I mean, they are just expensive. And there were dozens of them there. And then j- these just huge 40, 50 foot RVs. But we did have one consolation. And and I have to tell things. you one story before I tell you about the <laughs> barn tour that we took. So um, there's this, and you could tell a lot of these were brand new campers that had just gotten them because they had temporary tags or they weren't hooked up right or the sewer was backwards or whatever. It was kind of funny watching all that. But this guy pulls in in this huge uh, three, uh, 3500, Ford 3500 with a very big gooseneck. Uh, it must have been 45 feet. It was huge. It's like at that point, why don't you just stay like in a very really nice hotel, right? Because mm-hmm. you just spent $300,000 for this thing. So I said, you watch. These spots are kind of tight. Let's watch them park. Sure enough, we could see through the trees as he's parking, backing up and backing up, backing up. And he's got the thing almost jackknifed. And all of a sudden, we hear a crunch and then a loud yell that says, stop! <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, he didn't stop in time. I, we never did go over to see what he crunched, but uh, he crunched something. I don't know if he hit a tree or if he hit somebody else's camper or car. I'm not sure. But he It's helpful when people yell stop after you've already <laughs> yeah, hit it. Exactly. Yeah, the stop should have been ahead of time. By the way, if you're backing up really large vehicles, we got a tip from one of the YouTubers we watch is you call each other on the phone. Instead of yelling, uh, you call each other on the phone. It works beautifully. Jennifer just talks to me on the phone. Yeah, left, right. It works beautifully. So there's your tip oh, of the day. That's a good idea. Yeah, your tip of the day. Uh, it sure beats yelling where you don't hear it or you don't hear the stop <laughs> crunch in time. It wasn't funny, but it was funny. All right. So we went to Disney World. They have a farm there. We've talked about it here on the show before, but we hadn't been down there in years. And they have a brand new barn. And the old barn was pretty nice. And I was wondering why they have a brand new barn, because the old barn was really nice. It's because they tore it all down. Uh, that where part of the campground where it is, they t- put a, have a wall up now, and they tore it all down because they're putting a new hotel in right over there. So they lost their barn spot, and so they needed a new barn. Well, they built them a nice multi-million dollar barn. 
Uh, it is a really nice barn. And the way it's set up there is almost just like the one we saw in California at Disneyland, is they have a show area in the front with really nice wood stalls, and they bring horses out where everybody can come in and walk around and see the horses. And then in the back, it's more utilitarian, and it's kind of made for you know, housing horses and, and, and it's more of a working farm. But let me tell you, they feed the nicest hay. Any animal rights people going after Disney are just nuts because they feed nice stuff. And the horses are all fat and happy. And, and some of the horses that were there, they have a Clydesdale that must be 20 hands at least. It is huge. Wow. It is just huge. It's Merida's horse. Um, and it's, Huge. I mean, it is just huge. We saw it a couple years ago when it was still in the growing phase, and it was maybe 18 hands then. This horse has to be over 20 hands. The withers are just so high. And they have a lot of draft horses. This one just dwarfs them all. I mean, you know, makes them all look silly. Uh, but the cutest thing was one of the Cinderella white ponies had a baby, and I posted pictures of that. Oh, I saw that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it was so, so cute. cute. Now, they said it was born a little late, so it came out, like, fully grown, like, had front, had teeth and everything. Uh, so this thing was like born, ready to go. She said it popped out and within five minutes was doing laps around the stall, was just lapping the stall. And she said, it's been that way ever since. So, so he's a little bit of a handful, uh, even walking him around and stuff. He's a little bit of a handful, but he's cute as a Dickens. And for those people that thought he'd been shaved around the eyeballs, apparently they lose some of their baby fuzz. I didn't know that. Yeah. I remember Zara did that. She all of a sudden sort of had been like, uh, she looked like she was going to turn into a liver chestnut. All the hair fell off around her face. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, it looked like they had a mask on, you know. <laughs> uh, but it was uh, the cutest little baby. And, of course, a big hit with, with all the visitors there was a little baby. And it's a little white baby. Came out totally white. I don't know. I always thought they came out gray or, you know, darker. Uh, but this baby was totally white. So it's going to be part of the Cinderella carriage at some point. They have 90 horses there and you could do trail rides. Uh, they get, this is one of the things they had to do. I, I knew you'd love this because you, you've done lessons before. So they had to think about what they were going to do COVID wise to be safe because they're very safe. I mean, if you were out of your campsite, you had to wear a mask and everybody was good riding your bike or in golf carts or wherever you had to wear a mask. And they were all good about it. Uh, I, matter of fact, I didn't see anybody that wasn't. So in the barn, everybody's wearing masks, but they had to worry about doing trail rides and pony rides for kids. So what they, the helmets were one of the concerns. So they had to buy enough helmets that they use them once a day, they get put in a bucket and then they get sanitized overnight. So they had to buy enough helmets that all the trail rides all day and all the pony rides all day that they use those helmets once. And then, so Troxel got some business. uh, (laughs) So they use them once, get them put in a bucket, and they get cleaned overnight. So yeah, they're still doing their trail rides. And So do you sign up for trail rides when you're staying at the hotel or do you like go to Disney World and you're like, hey, I want to ride a horse? You can do whatever. You can just come in for the day and ride a horse or you can, now it's, you know, it's pony tail. We did it last time we were there and I actually rode, that's probably the last time I rode. Um, It's pony tail, but it's nice. I mean, it's fun to do. Head to tail, yeah. It's really in, uh, it's really in uh, the woods. I mean, forest, 
you're in jungle of Florida feeling <laughs> when you're wow. doing the trail ride because uh, it's in one of the undeveloped parts, which there isn't too many, much of there anymore. But yes, yeah, so it was fun. We rode my bike a lot and we had a good time. Uh, and thank you to Robin and the gang down there for showing us around and showing us a brand new barn. You have a very nice barn. And you can go see it when you stay there. Uh, even if you visit Disney World, you can go in and, and just take a ride down t- uh, to the barns and visit. It's all allowed. So that was fun. <clears throat> we had a good time. And uh, there was something else that happened over the weekend as the Eclipse Awards were virtual this year. And of course, that's the awards for racing. And uh, I'm happy to report the Kentucky Derby and Breeders' Cup winner, no surprise, Authentic one Horse of the Year. And this was the 50th annual Eclipse Awards. Now, who was the trainer for Horse of the Year? Do you remember? Is it Bob Baffert? Yes. And Bob Baffert, two of his other horses also won awards. Uh, but he did not win Trainer of the Year. Well, he had a lot of drama yeah. associated with his name this year, so it doesn't surprise me that he wouldn't have gotten uh, the the Eclipse Award. Yeah, I was going to ask if you thought that had to do with it, because Brad Cox won Trainer of the Year, but Baffert had three horses win and did not get Trainer of the Year. So, I mean, that was pretty obvious, right? You, you, mm-hmm. you screw up, we're not giving it to you. That's what I got out of it anyway. Yeah. Uh, Authentic also won three-year-old male honors, and uh, he won five of his seven starts last year, including, of course, the Kentucky Derby. Over and he was also the Breeders' Cup Classic winner. So and he beat Tisla Law, and Tisla Law was the one who was supposed to take it all. You know, so it sounds about right. Sounds fair, and I I think giving Baffert a a time one more year in the chair to think about what he did is probably a good idea. Time out (laughs) with his hat on. I agree. I do think that uh, if they'd given it to him this year, it would have looked bad. It yeah. would have looked bad. Uh, but that they didn't. So congratulations to Brad Cox, who won Trainer of the Year. Uh, and uh, Windstar Farm was the year's top breeder, and Godolphin was the owner of the year. So that's how it came down at the virtual uh, Eclipse Awards over the weekend. How about we do something that I did not forget about? <laughs> And now it's time for today's equestrian, who knew, fact of the day. That's right, it is time for fact of the day, and no, Jamie, I did not forget, so... Horses' ears have ten muscles. Uh, There are three in human ears, by the way. And horses' ears can move 180 degrees. They hear about the same decibel levels as we do as humans, although they hear sounds over a wider range of frequencies, and they can detect detect sounds of up to two miles away. Uh, Loss of hearing with age in horses does not appear to be as significant as it is for humans. So there you go, your fact of the day. Wow. You know, I have Duke who stands out in the pasture and I'll call everybody up and Duke is somewhere in the 25 to 28 year range. We don't know. It's a, it's a guess, but he's definitely, you know, over 25. Um, and I swear he has hearing loss. It's funny. You said that because like, I'll call everybody up. Come on guys. And everybody comes up for their food and he's still out there by himself. And I just always wondered sure if he it's was not selective hearing loss. I didn't look, look that up. I Maybe he got like into like some acorns or something. And he's like, ah, this is better. <laughs> I like this better than your senior garbage food that you feed me. <laughs> But yeah, maybe. I don't know. You know, we all get selective hearing as we get older, especially the longer you're married. That happens. So you've been married to that horse for a long time, Duke. 
Yeah, yeah, he's true. Maybe he's just <laughs> ignoring me. All right, let's hear about uh, one of our terrific sponsors. Well, millions of Americans do the same thing every January, sign up for gym memberships and resolve to get fit. Oh, it's February 1st now, so y'all can all quit. And actually, in the <laughs> if last you haven't few already. <laughs> many of them have already thrown in the towel, but luckily it's much easier to pump up the performance of your horse. You see, every cell in your horse relies on glucose to fuel its function and growth, and feeding your horse chromium helps optimize the use of glucose so your horse has more energy for body upkeep, health, and performance, ultimately resulting and improved overall well-being. But this part is important. Don't just feed any chromium. Give your horse the only FDA-reviewed source of chromium on the market today, Chemtrace Chromium from Chemin. Ask for it by name. Otherwise, you might not get what you pay for. Learn more about Chemtrace Chromium at chemin.com slash chromium EQ. That's chemin.com slash chromium EQ. I'm pleased to welcome to the show Gabriella Diacon because we're going to talk to her about equestrian yoga. Now, for those that are listening, I did get to do some equestrian yoga with Ashley Mancuso. Um, I don't know, but it was on camera and people watched it. It was horribly embarrassing because I'm not flexible at all. But Gabriella is. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Thank you so much. Um, definitely not extremely flexible. So don't worry there. It's, uh, <laughs> I definitely, I love yoga, but got it. It definitely, it takes, it, it has its days. It sure does. So t- talk to us about, uh, doing yoga on horseback. Why is yoga so important for equestrians? Yeah, absolutely. So I originally started doing yoga, uh, God back in college before and, I never really noticed like the serious effects it had on my mind, and my body until, um, I really started to ride seriously and I was using yoga for some personal things going on in my life. And I started to notice the horses were responding to me differently. You know, the way that I approached each lesson, like I was a super anxious kid as a rider. Um, I was, you know, I'd watch, you know, they talk about Oh, when I was a kid, I used to ride fearlessly. I was like, oh, I never had that phase. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was way more anxious as a child than I actually was as an adult. I kind of grew out of it. But thanks to yoga. um, So I really have that, you know, that that soft spot in my heart for riders that suffer from anxiety or even just, you know, you're going to a lesson or a horse show day or any day. um, And you just need to kind of be in the zone. So I find that yoga, you know, connecting the breath and the movement, it's really big on our mental stamina. It helps us really center in being patient, which, you know, all of these things we know we need in the horse world. God, it requires more patience than anything else in the world, probably. Um, And also yoga's main focus, a lot of times people, you know, they think flexibility, which is absolutely crucial. Like the more flexible our hip flexors are, the more stable we are in the saddle, the deeper we can sit and the more we can engage our core, which is really where yoga takes a huge focus is core work. Um, so a strong core really helps us balance and center and be able to be flexible and vice versa. So, you know, we know with riding, it takes, if we engage our core, our horses can engage their core. Um, and they really just mimic everything that we do. So it's super important to develop a practice outside of the saddle to make sure that, you know, when you ride, you're aligned because we sit in the saddle for however long a day, depending on, 
you know, how lucky you are and how often you get to do it, but you're standing and walking and you're off the horse for probably more hours of the day. So how you carry yourself with alignment out of the saddle has a lot to do with how you carry yourself in the saddle. So Um, would you suggest starting your yoga training without a horse then? I would actually. So I teach a lot of my classes, like my group classes and my online classes are focused on just the rider. Um, And then I do offer as well privates in the saddle, but it's not, you know, the yoga on horseback, like you see my yoga on horseback is more, you know, we sit and we do kind of slowing down the exercises. So we take what you kind of do in a normal lesson, but we focus a lot more on the rider's alignment, working on the rider, doing breathing exercises in the saddle, um, but no crazy headstands or handstands, you know, (laughs) on horseback for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. Here's a dumb question. If you're doing that, you know, for alignment, if you're doing yoga for the reasons you just mentioned, is there, are there forms of yoga that would be bad for riders to do? Actually, no. Um, Yoga makes sure it depends. I mean, of course you always, just like any riding trainer, you always want to make sure you're going to someone that's extremely, you know, alignment based, that they know what they're doing. And also going into it, knowing that you'd never push yourself too hard because of course, like with anything, there are chances of injury. Um, so always in yoga, we say, you know, listen to yourself, tune in, make sure that you're not pushing yourself too hard to the point where it wouldn't be healing, but also pushing yourself enough that you're striving, you know, for whatever the goal is in your mind. Um, but as long as yoga is done properly, it, it's wonderful for the body in every aspect. Wonderful. So, so you've, you, you really get people centered on the ground. When would you introduce the horse portion of the yoga for horses, yoga for equestrians? Yeah, absolutely. So that depends on the rider. Um, you know, I deal with some riders that have taken serious falls and they're extremely nervous and we introduce the horse on the ground level, you know, we'll do lessons and yoga next to the horse. And then I've worked with, you know, junior Olympic athletes that they're, you know, they, they absolutely, you know, are dying to be on the horse and they just want to work on the horse. So I take it rider by rider basis. Um, but really at any stage you can start to incorporate these things. You can start to engage the core while you ride. You can start to do breathing in the saddle. Um, so it really, it can be done every day. It's not, you know, it's nothing that has to be, you know, this whole one hour is yoga and we're just doing yoga. I think my favorite part of it is really integrating it into your everyday riding. So the breathing and, you know, focusing on, oh, is my core engaged? Oh, that's how I find my core. And, you know, am I opening my hip flexors? Just things like that. So somebody starting out brand new, if they've never done yoga before, and it's kind of intimidating because even if you go, you know, like, even if you go on YouTube and watch videos, it all looks hard, right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so if you've never done it before, and right now I'm not going to go to yoga class, so I want to do it at home. How do I get started? Absolutely. So I um, have videos. I really, truly like working with people that have never done yoga before because I get it. It is very intimidating. I mean, my mom and I are not, I did not grow up athletic. I was not a gymnast. Um, So yoga kind of had that same overwhelming feel to me. 
But when you find a place and it, you know, if you're not going to go to a studio, if you find an instructor, even online, like I know, um, there are really wonderful YouTube instructors that are awesome for just kind of gently bringing you in. So I would recommend like when I first started doing yoga and really getting into it, I would set aside 10 minutes a day. That was it to do it with a video at first and then slowly kind of take out of that video what I really like. So just connecting my breath. So for instance, I recommend for riders a really important pose. If you just, you know, yoga just seems like a lot to wrap your mind around. Just start with simple things, a forward fold. So just reaching down to, you know, aim towards your toes. You don't have to touch your toes. You can aim, you can bend your knees. You can aim for blocks. You can just kind of, you know, again, anything, any sort of props. I'm a big prop person. Use things to your advantage um, and just breathe deeply. So, you know, that, that is yoga. Reaching, just folding forward and breathing deeply is yoga. Um, and I think it, you know, it, it varies for person to person. So I'm really glad you brought up, it is an overwhelming thing. And it seems like this crazy, you know, you got to do backflips and twist here and, <laughs> and stand on your um, head, which I haven't done in a very long time, a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Ever. Not intentionally. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which another thing too, if you do take falls, yoga does make you a little bit more easily to, to bounce back, which is nice. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it's really... Yoga is different for everybody, but as long as you're breathing and you're connecting your breath to your movement, that's yoga. Um, so it's not all of these crazy things that you see online and all of this. It doesn't have to be that for everybody, which is really, really nice. So if I wanted to say I had done all of my groundwork and now I want to move on to mounted work, what is the type of horse you would recommend to start your yoga work with? Uh, thoroughbred right Absolutely. off the track. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hop on the craziest horse at the barn because you'll change him with the yoga. Um, no, we'll definitely keep that out. <laughs> Make sure that was a joke. Um, but the, um, I, you know, I a horse that you trust and it can be a horse that you ride every day. You don't have to completely go to, depending on your level of experience, you don't have to go to a different horse. It could be the horse that you ride every day and you just start to use it. Like you just implement little things. If you really want to have a lesson though, where you focus on yourself and just want to go, okay, I really want to work on stretching out my hip flexors today. Um, I would definitely recommend a horse that you trust fully. You can take your feet out of the stirrups, maybe one that everybody at the barn rides bareback, you know, you know, the, the yeah. steady Eddie type. Okay. Um, because a lot of my work does you require lack of stirrups just so that way, like even it's super simple, but opening your leg out from the saddle, bringing your legs slowly back down and then resting it next to the horse, just lengthening our legs and doing things with our shoulders. So if you have a horse that's reactive to your hands moving, maybe not the best option if you really want to get into it. Right. Um, but it definitely is something that can be done on any horse. It, you don't have to take your stirrups out. You can do, you know, little by little, which is really what's beautiful about it. Like I've used it for myself. I did work with a lot of off-the-track thoroughbreds. It's one of my absolute favorite things to do in the world. And I found that implementing these things, the thoroughbreds were the most responsive and just loved it. Like, I mean, I had, I had a horse 
and a rider, a great example, she was a student. She tended to be a little bit more timid. It was a very, very safe thoroughbred, but he also tended to be a little bit more responsive and uppity and tuned into her. After one session of doing yoga, we just did the breathing in the saddle. I have a video of him up online and he's asleep. I mean, he's oh, wow. asleep while we're doing it. Um, and it's, it's so funny because in the video, you'd think he was the deadhead lesson horse at the barn, but he's not, you know, he's, he's super, you know, he likes to, to do his little dances and he just, for the rest of the lesson was like a lazy, steady Eddie horse that you'd want. So it was really, it's very, it's beautiful to watch how they tune into the breath. It is amazing how much they'll synchronize their adrenaline with you, you know, and that's kind of it. So, uh, Gabrielle Daikon, gmdtraining.com is the website. If anybody listening wants to go uh, check out more, we'll put that in our show notes for today. And, uh, I, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. I'm, I actually feel like now I need to go stretch. So Glenn, I'm taking yeah, it no. today. <laughs> Thank you very much. I enjoyed being on. Thank you, Gabrielle. So, um, I actually, last year, before I did my surgeries and got sick, uh, I, I was doing yoga. Remember, we talked about that. I was doing it here at the house, and I would do, I'd do it in the mornings. I never did get back to it. I got to do that. But I was doing it yoga with Adrian on YouTube. She had has a million yoga videos. And I just looked up yoga with Adrian. And apparently, if you're a YouTuber um, that does really well with yoga on YouTube, you can make a lot of money. She's had almost a billion views. Yeah. Lucas watches some YouTubers for different things. And it's amazing how much money those people make just by making videos. Like the guys that make videos of themselves playing video games. That's a big thing. It's crazy. I mean, so yeah. I just looked up how much do they make for like every million views. And apparently it averages between ten and thirty thousand dollars. So Good this Lord. this this lady doing yoga is doing just fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> She is. We need to monetize Gabrielle. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, we're going to hear a little bit about WinTech, the saddle of choice here at the Horse Radio Network, and especially with my wife, Jennifer. Coach Jen here, HRN Chaos Control Officer and host of the Horse Tip Daily Show here on Horse Radio Network. Longtime Horse Radio Network fans know that I'm a big fan of Wintech saddles. I've been riding in them for about 20 years now. Whether I'm eventing, showing in dressage, or fox hunting, or hitting the trail at an endurance competition, I know my saddle fits my horse and it's going to hold up to the toughest conditions and look great doing it. You may be wondering exactly which saddle do I use for this varied group of disciplines? Well, Wintech makes saddles for every discipline. That's how I have several. And Wintech doesn't sit on their laurels. 2019 brings even more innovation to the saddle range, so head out to your local tax store and have a sit-in one. Or you can contact your favorite online retailer, arrange a test ride, or check them out online at wintechsaddles.us. It's time for the weekly look at your equestrian first world problems. This ought to be good. 
Well, remember, if you have an equestrian problem, it is a first world problem. And these are problems that our sad, poor auditors have on Sunday nights or Monday morning. We put up a post on Facebook and people have to let us know what's really bothering them. Now, this was a batch of weather related ones. So I did have to yeah, edit a, a, a few of them. Storm up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's always very much similar to what the weather is, depending on what the uh, problems are. However, um, there are people that want to submit their first world problems and they can become auditors. How do they do that, Glenn? So you just go to horseradionetwork.com and right side of the page, you'll see an auditor banner. And for as little as $3 a month, you too can join the party. All right. Well, we're going to start with Brenna. Poor Brenna. We moved across the country and my horse is finally here. But I can't find the clippers to trim his bridle path and I don't know where I packed them. <laughs> Scissors. You can use scissors. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, you can also ride without doing the ride path. Just saying. Uh, Ellen says, it's going to snow, so now I have to move my new tractor into the barn. (laughs) (laughs) So many problems there. Uh, Carrie, Carrie, this is sad. Carrie always has really sad ones. She says, I bought champagne from mimosas for my regular dressage lesson yesterday, but it was too cold and my lesson got canceled. So then I had to drink it at home in my pajamas instead. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny says we got so many inches of snow and it's like perfect for sleigh riding, but my pony isn't trained to pull a sleigh yet. (laughs) Well, if I pull a car to pull a sleigh, just hook him up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just, yeah, this is the perfect time to train. I mean, if you fall off, you're going to fall yeah, into the snow. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Lisa says, we finally don't have glacier icing as a standard surface, so now we can ride in the snow all weekend. But the only one happy at this stable is my warm blood mare because there's going to be no work and a lot of food because I have a cold. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Megan says it finally stopped raining, but I can't play with my horse because I have to go to work. <laughs> that is the worst problem. The darn work. California's been getting rain for a change too. They've been, they don't get a lot of rain, but they've been getting it out last week. Heather says, I really want to ride, but I dismounted my horse wrong on Saturday and now I can't sit or stand up straight. Yoga. I uh, recommend yoga. It'll help. Don't you ha- hate when you wake up in the morning <laughs> and you're like, there's something wrong with like your neck and people are like, what happened? You're like, sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I dismounted my horse and now everything hurts. Like my initial shoulder injury, people are like, what happened? And I was like, I was shifting gears in my Ranger. That's what hurt. <laughs> like that's, that was like the straw that yeah, broke that it. Broken, you know? yeah. I'm like shifting gears, like such a war. Uh, Rhonda says it was my first day with two horses to ride. Congratulations, Rhonda got a new horse over the weekend, but it was too cold. <laughs> She's been looking for a horse for a while too. Robin says my huge hay barn is finally finished. But it rained so much while it was being built. Now I have to wait for the stupid round bales to dry out before I move them in, <laughs> which is the whole point of getting a hay barn. Oh, that's great. Uh, Chelsea says, my new fancy cart just got here, but it can't drive because it won't stop raining. Okay, she got one like, like I have, uh, only much smaller. She, she has a little one. 
Yeah, yeah. Alexandra, I have a similar problem because Hannah, our dear sweet listener who adopted Sebastian Haas, sent me a gift card to a tack shop and I can't decide what to spend it on. And Alexandra's having the same thing. I have a $200 gift card to a local tack shop, but I can't decide if I want to spend it on a Lemieux saddle pad or a Weatherby saddle pad. Ah. <laughs> So hard. Alexandra sent it to Jamie so she stopped whining about not getting anything. No, no, no. Keep your money. I don't want your pity. I want your charity. <laughs> My husband bought me a teddy bear that has a heart on it. So clearly it's like a Valentine's Day teddy bear, but at least he bought me something. <laughs> it's um, the only teddy bears they had right now. It's, it's only after teddy Christmas. Before Valentine's Day. Uh, Marissa says Saturday was the only beautiful day to ride this weekend and I wasn't able to because I had to drive down to North Carolina to pick up my new puppy <laughs> oh, my God, she oh she posted a picture of the puppy it is so damn cute oh yeah it's awesome um, and then finally Melissa she says oh, last yeah. night at 10pm <laughs> I went out to the barn to give my mare her medicine and I tripped on the pig waterer hit my head on a post and landed in the pig mud oh, no. and now I have a huge bruise on my head with a bunch of little cuts around it and I've had to decide whether to lie to my co-workers about what happened or admit what happened lie which, lie, lie. <laughs> I'm you for know lying. horses make us weird enough but if you start throwing in the words pig you're yeah. nobody's going to talk to you anymore yeah you throw in pig waterer and nobody's going to come near you no. I tripped on the pig waterer and hit my head and fell in the pig mud. No, <laughs> no. nobody will talk to you anymore. No, but I can just picture the whole scene. That's like something out of a movie, right? There. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Melissa, I hope one. you're okay, though. I really do. That would be like, please, did, did somebody get that on video? Somebody? Yeah. Anybody? <laughs> anybody. <laughs> it's Monday. That means it's time for Horse Nation to stop by with some cleverly written horse stories. Or just some silly nonsense. <laughs> Hi, Dan. Welcome back. Hi. Nice. Thank you for Glenn, having me. Glenn decided to pay the voice guy extra this this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that what this segment's all about? It's either about something serious or just silly nonsense. It's one of the exactly. two. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, today we're going to go a little more serious. Uh, we're going to talk about one of the articles that was in Horse Nation called Who Gets to Be an Equestrian? Check out this new grant opportunity. So what's this grant opportunity all about? Yeah. So it's really cool. The Helen Gurley Brown Foundation is looking to um, increase access in equestrian sport. And, you know, I feel like a lot of organizations have been working to, to figure out how to do that and what that looks like in the equestrian world, right? So they've created this grant opportunity. And it's actually like, it's, it's really cool because it can be for quite a bit of money. The opportunity is, can range, or the, um, pardon me, wow, the grant money can range from $50,000 to $150,000. Um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, what they're looking for isn't to be like, here, Glenn, here's $150,000. Like, have a great time. <laughs> um, although that would be lovely, right? Like, they want an organization to put in an application that would work on increasing access and increasing um, representation in equestrian sport. And so they're accepting applications, I believe, until February 28th. Um, and they're looking for folks who are, as they say, um, interested in making a systemic impact in the industry and are willing to submit a descriptive 
pitch on their ideas and how they intend to implement it um, and, you know, include a budget and things like that, like all the typical things that happen with grant applications. Um, but I think it's this really great idea because it is, it's enough money to make a difference, right? Like whatever that difference means to an organization or how it would look for various organizations, like it's enough to do something. And I think that's, I think that's really cool. And I think it's a great, um, project and initiative for the foundation to take on. So they're looking for, are they looking for individuals or are they looking for companies or groups or any of those? It says eligible applicants. Okay. So I, the, I think at that level, I think it's probably more than just an individual, right? right? That would be my interpretation. Maybe a but team, I think, college team, even. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. Right. But I think if you have, if an individual, I, I am not a representation a representative of the foundation, so I don't want to speak for them. But my interpretation of the call they put out is if you are an individual who has the, ability to put together a program to make a difference and like systemically that they're willing to consider it. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that's cool. You know, we talked about last year quite a bit about how, you know, about what we can do, right. And you know, what can happen. And I know that uh, Leslie, who also from horse nation who appeared here once a week for years, uh, Leslie Wiley, uh, Bateman is a part of this, you know, trying to get things accomplished uh, in this, you know, in this realm, trying to make riding more accessible, which is something we've, to be honest, we've been talking about for 20 years. <laughs> right, um, right. You know, so uh, maybe something is finally happening on this front, because it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to accomplish. Um, exactly. And I don't, and this isn't the equestrian world in which I exist, but I'm very aware that for, like, hunter jumpers and inventors and people at that level who are looking to really go into writing, like being a working student is an important part of that. Right. And you can't do that if you don't have some funds, like <laughs> it's not, it's certainly not, you know, that there's a certain amount of like privilege that goes along with even being able to access that and, and all of those things. And I think that something like this can really make a difference to a large group of people. I tell you what, I'm super excited to see what type of, like, this is a, this is a, a situation where somebody has to be innovative, you know, and come up with a, an actual idea to fix it, to get this grant money. I'm so interested to see who the people are that apply and what comes out of this. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I, I am too, because I like that. It's not just saying here, give money to someone, like you said, like it's, it's gotta be, even if you're saying supporting, like I said, supporting the working student notion, it's on this larger scale of yeah. who can we support? Like, how can we, you know, workshop this? How can we create access to these writers and all of these, you know, to really make it work and make it impactful? So I think it's, I think it's a cool thing and I'm glad to see them doing it. And like, like you can find, the link to the application on horsenation.com, of course, you know, so we've got that article there to try to get people to see the resources and access what they can and apply. All right, cool. Well, we'll put that link also on our show notes so people can head on over to Horse Nation and find it. Uh, there was something else in there that I thought was funny. The Thursday video, Dating Cowboys 101. Tell us about that. Oh, my God. This is hilarious. And it's an older video, apparently. Like, it's a few years old, but I hadn't seen it, so it's new to me. So I went, you know what? If I haven't seen it, some other people haven't seen it, or they've forgotten about it, or whatever. <laughs> um, and it cracked me up. It is like this chick sitting in her car talking about dating cowboys, and she's hilarious. Can I play a little of it, you think? Can you play it? Is it yeah. bad words? All right. 
Uh, no bad words, I don't think. Okay, here we go. Well, we'll find out. Hey, get your beeper ready, Jamie. Um, okay. There, there. Well, usually I put a warning if there's language. Okay, here we go. How to date a barrel racer. So, just to be fair, I'm going to do one on how to date a cowboy. Now, there's four different types of cowboys. There's a rodeo cowboy. There's a ranch cowboy. There's a cowboy that's both. And then there's one that looks like a cowboy because he borrowed his friend's clothes. And he has the buckle and the boots and all that stuff. But he ain't no cowboy. Now, I'm going to mix the ranch cowboy and the rodeo cowboy. The one that's both. We're just going to dress them at the same time. Let's start with the rodeo cowboy. The rodeo cowboy is not fully matured until he is in his late 20s, 30s, into his 50s. They, there's something wrong with them. They, they don't mature like other, other men do. So you, they, they're going to act like boys for a little while. Now there's a difference. So there's roughy cowboys and there's Tommy cowboys. So let's start with the roughy cowboys. And you're sitting in the parking lot at the rodeo and you're looking for yourself a cowboy. You can tell how the roughies, you can tell the roughies when they pull in the parking lot because they're all going to fall out of a little tiny car. Like there's six or seven of them in a car that fits four or five people. That's your roughies. Or they're going to come in in a van that you would be scared to run into on a dark road at night. Um, they're, they're all, they probably live in there. Probably all of them live in there. Now, the team ropers, they're going to come into some beat-up truck in an old trailer, probably a lame horse, and they're going to leave their horse tied to the trailer for probably, you know, um, all night. They're going to go to the bar. The tie-down ropers, now the calf ropers, they're going to come in in a nice rig. These are high-maintenance men. Um, probably not going to get one of those. We're not even going to address them. They're, they're pretty high-maintenance. Now, let's go to the ranch cowboy. The ranch cowboy is the unicorn cowboy of the cowboy world. The ranch cowboy is like winning the lottery. There's a slim chance you're going to find one. They're, they're, they're actually endangered. They're an endangered species. But the ranch cowboy, when he meets you, he's going to take his hat off and he's going to call you ma'am. And um, sometimes he might even, like my name's Holly, so he might address me as Miss Holly. He might call me Miss Holly the rest of his life, whether he's older than me, younger than me. He's going to hold the door open for you. He could build a house. He could do this cowboy. He's a unicorn. He can do anything. He can rope. He can ride. He can break any colt you got. He could build your house. He could build your fist. He could build your arena. This man can do everything. He's going to treat you like a queen. Now, like I said, it's real hard to find one of these. You might get, there might be better chances that you get bit by a shark, struck by lightning, <laughs> uh, all at the same time, at the same time, <laughs> than find one of these guys, because they're endangered. If, if, if you see one, take a picture of them, let me know. It, it's hard to find one of these guys. I've seen a couple of them in Texas, but, whew, there's some in Wyoming, but, whoo, they are hard find. They are a hard find, so, if you see one of those, and, and you better snatch him up snatch them up they're an endangered species but um now the boy that borrows all the clothes now if you can't tell the difference between the ranch cowboy and the rodeo cowboy they, there's a little bit you know you might be a little confused on that but if you can't tell the difference in the cowboy that just borrowed his friend's clothes none of this matters just go on out with them just going out with them. you guys have a good time all right <laughs> If you can't tell the difference, it's for you. That <laughs> yeah, just cracked me up. It had me rolling. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm sure people have seen this. But, like, they have to see it again. I'd never seen it. So I'm glad you're And she is sitting there. And she's got the classic Western shirt and the great, big, huge 
bling necklace. I mean, she looks like somebody's looking for a cowboy. (laughs) So what did you, I don't know that we've ever asked you, what did you marry? Did you marry a cowboy or the non-horse guy? Uh, I married the non-horse guy. I have a computer geek. Mm, Yeah. Who is also quite handy. I don't want to undersell him. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of of women married the computer geek, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, but I tell you what, so we're designing this barn right now. It is very helpful to somebody, to be married to somebody who is... um, who is versed in CAD programs. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's helping you draw it. Yeah. Wow. I, I saw this on Facebook. Uh, one of our listeners, I think, actually posted it. And it's a, it's somebody tweeted this and said, not to brag or anything, but my husband cooks, cleans, does laundry and yard work, goes grocery shopping and to work every day, remembers special occasions, pays bills, all while being an excellent dad and husband. So what I'm trying to say is, He's a grown ass man. Marry one. <laughs> and I was thinking of like, yeah, you know what? That is it. Like I know some friends that date guys that they 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 really like to sit down and play video games and can't go They're out and rodeo go to the cowboys grocery store in the first and can't category. do dinner. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not grown ass man. Marry a grown ass man. And right. it reminded me I need to teach my son how to become a grown ass man. Can we I wait till he's twelve? grown-ass person can we wait till he's in puberty at least <laughs> no uh, you know what I, I said to chad i read this last night and i was like you know what from now on when you go mow the grass he's got to go with you and when i cook dinner he's gonna sit in the kitchen with me and cook dinner and then he's gonna help fix fences and then he helped us the other day we were working on the hay bales outside and like i'm like get out here and sit here and watch <laughs> you're learn how to be a grown-ass man <laughs> and you can start lifting them when they don't weigh more than you yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this poor kid. He's not going to have any childhood. He's going to be like 40 when he's 12. Chad was like, I just wanted to give him till he could, you know, like let him grow up a Puberty, little bit. I'm like, least. he's seven. That's enough. Get to he's work. seven. <laughs> How Should old be driving are your a tractor twins? by now, man. How old are your twins, what? Dan? They just turned six. Oh, so they, they're they going to have to be grown ass men soon, apparently. Uh, apparently, yeah. Uh, one year, seven years old. Got to get to work. <laughs> I'll tell them to do something. And my son, he like hymns and haws, but I like usually eventually do it. My daughter will either get up, do it right away and just get it done. She's a big like, if I'm going to do it, I'm just going to do it and get out of the way. Oh, she's going to be successful in life. Yeah. Or she goes, mm, I'm just too lazy right now. <laughs> like, I appreciate she's the honesty. She's self-aware. <laughs> That's good. We need women that are self-aware. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, no, I'm, I'm lazy. <laughs> well, that's good. When the first guy asked her out, she'll be like, I don't feel like it. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or she'll be like, okay, cowboy? let's go. <laughs> I only date ranch cowboys, and you're uh, and you're and you're yeah. You borrowed your friend's belt buckle, so no. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. HorseNation.com. Have Pre- a great week, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. I want to hear what what else she said at the the other rustic the type of cowboy that you can date. But I love it. I'm gonna no, go. No, she had, that was the end of it. That was all. I let it all play. I didn't cut it off. Oh, it was. Yeah, okay. that was it. <laughs> that was it. She ended on. Uh, are you going to get the fake kind? Go ahead. <laughs> you funny. can't tell the difference. He's yours. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're still with us and doing the show again. It's good to be back. Um, and, uh, we, we have a full week planned for you this week. Tomorrow, we have a brand new show, brand new episode for you. Something we haven't done before. Really? And that's, what we're going to be talking Mustangs. 
Uh, wow. So, yeah, Mustangs tomorrow. You can look forward to that. It's a brand new episode. I'm so excited for everybody to hear it. New hosts, the whole thing. So tune in tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we had the driving show is back. We have a brand new show for you this month. A lot been happening in the driving world here in Florida. So Wendy has a fun show planned for Thursday. And then Jamie and I be here Wednesday and Friday. We're giving away $500 in prizes on Friday. So get your ads in to Jennifer at Horse Radio Network. Com. Get your really bad ads into her, and uh, you'll be eligible for the prizes that we're going to be giving away on Friday. So we have a full week planned on Horses in the Morning. We're glad you're here. Glad you're joining us. Tell your friends and get them to join in, too. That's awesome. it for today. Where can people find you? They can find me at Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings Certified Monty Roberts Instructor on Facebook. And they can also email me at jamie at horseradionetwork.com. And you can find my address to send me gifts. That's okay. right. Presents for Jamie. <laughs> it's baby or yell, everybody. Now I feel guilty. Now all the auditors feel guilty. Good. They should. <laughs> you have to have two surgeries to get presents. Didn't I teach you that? Yes. I mean, my gosh. Oh, that's all good. Um, you don't want to yeah, sign up for so, a second surgery right now? One's good. No, this is awful. I'm just like, I can't imagine five more weeks of this. What? It gets better no. quicker than they say. I think. I remember. They said two, I can't carry anything in my right hand for five weeks. Yeah, I think it was it was three or four it, to be, you know, if you're being realistic. Yeah. Yeah, I think you I think you're going to see in 2 to 3 weeks you're going to be like itching to get out there. Do you you how long do you have to have the sling thing on? Um I I can take it off, uh but they said after the first week I can start taking it off, but I need to wear it in times that I would need to protect myself like if I go mm-hmm. out with people and that you wear the sling so everybody else knows not to touch your touch shoulder. Touch your shoulder, yeah. And you don't want them touching your shoulder. <laughs> No, because no. it would really hurt. I mean, it's yeah. it still really hurts. Like it hurts right now. Your son hasn't come up and whacked you yet, has he? No, oh. thank God. He's he's been, he's been so sweet and careful. I'm really proud of him. Well, that's the one thing where the sling does help. It's a reminder to you and other people. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, because well, it reminds said, you like, not to use it either. <laughs> yeah, he's like, just make sure you wear the sling in the barn because I know you. I wore it at night, so I would just remember not to roll over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been wearing it at night, too. And but I'm I not a back sleeper, so that was tough. That was tough. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's do this uh, training thing that uh, okay. Mary brought up. I didn't read it, so you're on your own on this one. Okay, so Mary from Wyoming. She says, we have a mare in our herd who is a complete anomaly to me. I normally like to work with troubled horses, and this horse has been in our herd for at least five years, maybe six or seven. Every horse in our herd is a pocket pony. They love people. They see you coming, and they're clustering around you. They are not impolite, but they love people, all of us. But this mare has not learned from the herd. After all these years, she is still a jerk. (laughs) First of all, she's not a jerk. (laughs) She just has some more She's a jerk. (laughs) She doesn't even care about treats. Runs away when you try to halt her. She is a jerk. (laughs) She belongs to someone who's a novice horse owner. Several horse trainers have worked with her over the years. None have been egregious, horrible trainers. I found in the past that horses look at the way other horses behave and start to adopt the same behaviors, but this horse, not so much. I shouldn't care, but she needs daily pill and her owner has been transferred to another state and has asked us to help 
help with her. We've tried the standard driving her away until she wants to be with us. We've tried luring her with treats. We've tried everything. She's an odd duck. Help. And oh, by the way, we have limited facilities. Our round pin is really far away through deep snow. Now, do you believe that there are odd ducks? That there are horses that are just like that kid in high school who was just weird? I mean, to me, uh, horses are our horses. They have their there's distinct ways that they are genetically coded to respond, which is fight or flight. Um, and, and I think that sure there's horses that come in for me for training that are more sensitive than other horses and that are less sensitive and that are more distracted than others. But do you believe that a horse can, or does Monty, you know, either one of you believe that a horse can be a jerk just because it wants to be a jerk? No, they don't have, their brains don't work like that. Because there are people like that. I just, that's why I'm asking. But see, this horse has been through a lot of different trainers, and a lot of people have tried different things on this horse. And um, so the fact that she doesn't care about treats, like I I have a couple horses that don't care about treats. Uh, And I also... But they they learn a routine and and this horse has not had a routine or a system or anything like that and has never been kind of partnered with somebody. So a horse like this, Mary Kitzmiller gave a great answer on how to catch her. And then I want to do an answer just even past that on how to teach the horse to want to be caught. Um, And I, I, I think it's just this horse's personal experience just because like you think she's a jerk because she won't come to you. But in her mind, she's like, you're a jerk. I don't want to come to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, they it just, you just never know what has been in this horse's experience. You know, there's so many racehorses that come to me that I'm like, I cannot believe somebody rode this horse. Like they threw a jockey up on this horse. This is, that is utterly insane how that person did not die, you know? So it's just all of the, to me, it's the experiences that they've had. Um, but yeah, they do have personalities for sure. Um, so Mary Kitzmiller wrote, is the horse at all able to be caught? I don't find typical round pin horsemanship techniques work in a pasture. The horse knows they have space to move around and therefore they feel less compelled to face up. I take a bit of that and approach it and water it down significantly. Ever hear of walking a horse down? Now, I guess face up is, I don't know. I think that means turn and look at them with two eyes or whatever. Uh, but she says, I walk towards them, not trying to push them in a direction or cut them off in any way. I simply walk towards them with a halter in hand, not hiding anything. I follow them wherever they go. If they run, I simply keep following until I catch up. When they stop, I stop. If they face up, or I guess turn and face you, I stop. I may even walk away, give them a release, and they'll approach again. And I love this method of just kind of s- sticking with them and give them that release approach and retreat is a very big way to tell a horse in their language that you're not a predator because a predator never what a predator never retreats. So by giving them that release and that retreat, you're showing them that you're not a predator and there's a lot to it. She says it's a lot more subtlety, but it's hard to get to in a comment. She says, I've had tremendous success with this, but it's a huge time commitment the first time or two, but the best way I found when working out in a pasture, she said, also my rule on treats is to never bribe, meaning I won't shake grain or use it as a lure. Treats are only payment for accomplished tasks. And I won't reveal the treat until I get what I'm asking. So maybe the first time I'm able to touch the horse in a pasture, I may pull my treat out and give it to them and actually walk away and let them enjoy it without any pressure. She says treats are more effective that way. Now I don't do treats, but this is a, a, a really nice way to teach a horse 
to get caught the first time is, is just walk with them and, and approach a retreat and walk with them. And eventually you know, it just takes time. And you, you make sure that when the horse gives you a little bit, you give them a little bit back like of a release. So once you've got the horse to where you can, you know, kind of you catch them once, take them to that round pen, take them to a smaller place, take them to a place where, you know, it's not a huge pasture, but a paddock. And use this method to catch them, put the halter on and walk them out of the pasture and the gate with the halter on and take them to where you would like, say, tie them up. But where you're tying them up, there's going to be a bucket, like a little pan on the ground with a handful of feed in it. And you pretend you don't see it. It's not from you. It's just there on the ground. So the horse comes up and you Put, bring it up and you, you know, walk off to get your brushes and the horse goes, Oh my God, wait, wait, what is that? There's food there. And they sneak it and they grab the food and they gobble it up. And then you go back and you're like, mm, you know what? I forgot my boots today. I'm going to turn you back out. And then you take it back out and you turn it back out in this smaller area. And then you go back out and you catch them again using the approach retreat or whatnot um, to catch them. You finally catch them. You know, you're in a smaller area, so you're not taking two hours to do it. And then it may take, you know, 10 minutes. Then you bring them back out. Well, somebody else put a handful of grain back in that little bucket. Okay. So they bring them up and you go get your brushes and they're sitting there and they're like, oh wait, there's some grain in this bucket. I'm going to, and they sneak down, they grab it and they eat it. And then you pick up, you come back and you know, you know what, I'm going to turn you back out and you turn them back out. And then you go back out there a minute later and you're like, you know what? I'm going to bring you back in. And then you go and you do your approach retreat. Well, they're eventually going to go, you know what? Every time I come up, there's some food in that little pan there. And it's not from you. It's just, it's just the experience being caught and brought up. They get a little snack. And so they come up and, and you finally catch them and you bring them in and you let, sit them, you know, put them there and you go off to get your brushes. And they're like, oh my God, there's food here again, again. She doesn't know. So she grabbed the horse grabs the food and you go back over and you brush him for a second. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna turn you up. And this could take Monty and I did this with a horse named Diego and we did it for three days. This horse what could not be caught, could not be caught. And we finally yarded him into, because he was in a big pasture and we, they have some smaller paddocks like before the gate. So we were able to get him in the smaller pasture and I just had to, do this. And I did it for three days straight. It might be on the university, Monty Roberts, university.com, but I'm not kidding you in by day. I mean, probably half an hour each day for three days. And by the third day I was running up to Diego with a halter. This is a wild ass Mustang running up to him with a halter, putting the halter on him. And I, I'd run out and he'd follow me out and I'd put him on the the thing, tie him up to release him and then turn him back out and then run back up to him. And and I never had a problem catching him ever again because you've taught the horse to want to be caught. And, And it's not that you're giving them food and you're bribing them. It's that the horse happens to find it. And there's something pleasurable after being caught that that's there is the psych, like psychology of it's amazing. Um, but yeah, like I said, I did this with Monty for three days, about half an hour a day with, with Diego. The first day probably took an hour because he was really, really hard to catch. And it just approach and retreat and approach and retreat and giving him that space, just what Mary was talking about. And then once you get him, teach him to want to be caught. Um, 
you again, go look at MontyRobertsUniversity.com. I'll, I'll try to ask Debbie what lesson that is on the university, but you probably Google catching Diego. I don't know, but it works really well and it's amazing. And it, it definitely changed the way that, you know, you go out there, don't be sneaky. You know, I tell people all the time when they're around horses, I'm like, don't be creepy. You're creepy and they're going to be nervous about you being creepy. So just be normal, be calm and quiet and don't flail your arms around and all that when you're going to catch them, but don't be creepy. Just take a breath and walk out there and just be with the horse, approach and retreat, get them to come to you. And then when you bring them out, then you do the things. Got it. Got it. Good job. Okay, my arm. Did that wear you out now? (laughs) Yes, I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) This is the longest she's worked in seven days. Now we have to let her go back to bed. It is. Thank you, Jamie. Hey, thanks, guys. See you later.